SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome to the morning after on SportsGrid. It is Sirius XM, channel 204. I'm your host, Ariel Epstein, taking you through the next three hours here on the morning after on SportsGrid. Do you smell it? I mean, it's in the air. It's it's football. And here in New York, it is like 60 degrees. It is perfect football weather. And I just, my Twitter feed is loaded already with people asking me college football questions for tonight. I am so excited for this show. We have great guests joining us. We're going to talk so much college football. Later on this hour, our own college football analyst from here on the grid, Joe Lisi, going to take part in the morning after and giving you his best bets for later on today and through the weekend. We've also got NFL updates. There's games on the move. There's lines on the move. Major League Baseball has a new division leader, one that the book would not lay off of and continued to say that they were going to win their division, even though they were behind by so much. Let me bring in my co-host, Ben Stevens. Ben, you must be waking up this morning. You probably couldn't sleep last night. The adrenaline pumping. We have top-notch football in college football tonight. Ariel, like a kid on Christmas morning, I am so excited for tonight. 14 college football games kick off in a 90-minute span this evening, starting at 6.30 p.m. Eastern time with your family, your religion, Rutgers football. It is going to be absolutely wonderful theater for the entire Thursday evening. I smell it in the air, the winds of fall. You cannot convince me that it is pure coincidence that on the first real college football day of the year, that it's 60 degrees with a crispness in the air that you would find in mid-October. It is meant to be on this evening. I am so excited for college football. I am excited for you, my friend. Verified Ariel Epstein on your airwaves on the morning after Sirius XM Channel 204 and across the Sports Grid Network. Two verified hosts. Look at that. A big day for everybody here on the morning after. We are so legitimate. This is awesome. It's perfect timing right before football season. Hopefully our picks are as legitimate as we are, according to the Twitterverse. Real pumped. Thank you, Twitter, for finally verifying me. Ben, I am so excited for football to be here. I I, I just love that on Twitter already today. I've been responding to people about where I'm going with tonight's slate. Also already had a pool and been doing some pool plays and been able to pick some of the teams that I feel are going to cover the spread throughout the course of the weekend in college football. We also have the NFL coming up and it's a week from today one week from today we are going to be kicking off the nfl season it's gonna be fun it's the tampa bay buccaneers up against the dallas cowboys the thing about the nfl right now is there's been some weather and some covid factors that a lot of teams are trying to sort out through the next week and a half the biggest has been to the spread because you've got to look at what's going on with green bay and new orleans The New Orleans Saints were going to be at home in the Dome against the Packers, where the Packers were laying three points on the road. Now the Saints are going to be moving their game, officially moving it to Jacksonville for week one. That means the Saints are now going to have three games. Every game they play in September is going to be played away from New Orleans. This was supposed to be their only home game of the month. Now you've got the NFL officially moving it to Jacksonville. They're going to play where the Jaguars do and. uh And that game is going to be September 12th on Sunday, so 4.25 p.m. Eastern time. Then last night when I checked, I didn't see any line. I'm still – I'm going to go check now. Um, But I don't know if you've seen one. I still haven't Mm -mm. seen one. And I think the biggest issue is 
also, I've been talking to a lot of friends in the business, and welcome to our Sports Grid Radio audience. It's the first hour here on the morning after Sirius XM, Channel 204, the Mightier 1090 on the West Coast with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Ben, I still saw, and I, I told you, I placed this bet, Green Bay minus three, two weeks ago. I really like the Packers going into week one against a new offense in New Orleans. It says it's still live. I have friends at other books who told me that their bet is going to be void or it already was void because they changed locations. It all just depends on your book. Yeah, and no odds up right now for this week one contest between the Saints and the Packers on the FanDuel Sportsbook. I think a lot of that has to do with the preparation and New Orleans will be practicing leading up to this week one opener in Fort Worth, Texas, in the Dallas area, really at TCU's facilities. That's where Sean Payton and the New Orleans Saints are staying. So I think the FanDuel Sportsbook is still wondering how will that impact this line? Because we know a setting. We know it will be in Jacksonville. We know the two teams. It's a neutral site game of sorts. So thus, how does that affect the line? I think we'd already know that impact. I think they're waiting to see what happens over this next week with the fallout of Hurricane Ida, how it affects the Saints, their travel plans, their practice plans, all that leading in to the week one opener. No week one lines for either the Saints or the Packers, but week two for both teams. New Orleans on the road in Carolina, the Saints a three-point favorite. The Packers hosting the Detroit Lions. They are a 10-point favorite for that week two contest, a Monday night football game. So nothing for week one, a couple of lines for week two, and then an examination, if you will, of these two teams and their team win totals to maybe figure how they will compare against each other. The Packers team win total in the NFC North is 10 and a half, the overjuiced to minus 130. The Saints, Ariel, as you know, for a lot of people have been a stay away team this offseason based on the quarterback competition between Jameis and Taysom Hill. Well, the Saints team win total is at nine, the under heavy juice at minus 145. So that's the setup leading into week number one. We know the opener between the Saints and the Packers will take place on Sunday, September 12th in Jacksonville, Florida. Here's what's coming up in our show. We're going to talk some more NFL coming up next because we are a week away from the start of the NFL season. We've got Major League Baseball to recap. In addition to having Joe Lisi on later this hour to talk college football, all hour two is going to be about college football. I mean, most of it, at least. So it's going to be a lot of college football coming up. So make sure to stay here on the grid. We've got you covered until noon Eastern time. You're listening here on Sirius XM Channel 204, the Sports Grid Network. We'll be right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back on the morning after on SportsGrid, Sirius XM, Channel 204. With Ben Stevens, I'm Ariel Epstein. I want to get to one of the bigger names in football. In the NFL, the wide receiver, veteran wide receiver for the Indianapolis Colts, T.Y. Hilton, is likely going to miss a large chunk of the season. He had to get surgery on his back or neck. He's been dealing with neck issues, and he's going to start the season on injured reserve. This means that Hilton's going to be out for the first three weeks of the year. When he gets back to week four, Dr. David Chow of ProFootballDoc.com said on his website, Odds are he's not going to be ready for week four. And that's my concern here with the Colts. It's been nonstop injuries for this Colts team, whether it's their quarterback, Carson Wentz, who had to get surgery on his foot, whether it's their offensive lineman, Quentin Nilsson, who needed the same exact surgery that Wentz got on his foot. Now you've got T.Y. Hilton, who's going to miss a good portion of the season, according to Dr. Chow. That's his wording, good portion of the season. 
It's going to be a really weird few months for the Colts, Ben, when you've got a bunch of players trying to just fight through these injuries because you're just trying to avoid having to lose any of these games in a division where you're up against the Tennessee Titans for it. The offseason of injuries for the Indianapolis Colts, although GM Chris Baller did say yesterday that T.Y. electing to have surgery right away has provided almost instant relief and that there are positive signs for T.Y. that hopefully he can be back sooner, which he emphasized, rather than later. But we focused on the Green Bay Packers and the New Orleans Saints game for week number one. Obviously, the odds are off the board right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook. But even before that, when Aaron Rodgers declared that he was coming back to play for the Packers this year, the tremendous amount of odds movement on that game between the Packers and the Saints really caught our eye. So did the Colts and the Seahawks for that week one opener because as it opened, Indianapolis was a two-and-a-half-point favorite. That is completely flipped now to Seattle being a two-and-a-half-point favorite. When Carson went after he got that foot surgery and there were positive indications in Indianapolis that Carson might be ready for that week one opener against the Seahawks it moved down to one and a half only in favor of Seattle now it's back up to two and a half because of some of the COVID issues Indianapolis is dealing with and then other injuries like this to T.Y. Hilton so there have been such movement on this game between the Colts and the Saints or excuse me the Colts and the Seahawks for this week one opener it's been one of my favorite things to monitor as we get ready for week one next week and now you can look at lines and say all right this is really where we can dive in we're only a week away from the NFL season this line movement is something you must pay attention to not only just against the spread in this game Ariel but the total has dropped by four points from 52 and a half at the open now down to 48 and a half and that spread by the way although the Colts have had the line work against them 59 percent of the betting handle is favoring Indianapolis so it's very interesting to see this line movement something to certainly pay attention to as you get ready for your week one handicaps also get ready for any announcement when it comes to when's potentially starting week one I'm sure that's going to move the needle in some capacity another player to look out for and a player who I was fading when doing all my fantasy football drafts the tight end for the Philadelphia Eagles and Zach Ertz Zach Ertz has been in the media talking about what his future is going to look like in Philly and he said that quote this is the place I want to be this is the place I want to retire I'm moving on from everything that happened this offseason there have been apologies also says things have been mended with the team. Ertz said when he was being quiet all offseason that, quote, I love this city too much to burn it down. He had a very bad year last year. Just 11 games played, 335 yards and a touchdown. When I say very bad, it was very bad for him. You're talking about a tight end who was nearing 1,000 yards receiving for about three years. It was anywhere in the 800 to 1,000-yard range, playing 15, 16 games. Then the two tight ends in Philly, Dallas Goddard, Zach Ertz, they were such a great duo. And this year, I just decided I, I had to fade them. Two years ago, Zach Ertz was up there for one of the best tight ends in all of the National Football League, right alongside guys like Travis Kelsey and George Kittle. He is not up there anymore, at least in that illustrious category. And when you look at Philadelphia this year, their team win total at six and a half. Sure, the over has the heavy juice at minus 150, but the outlook overall for Philly this year in a first-year head coach in Nick Sirianni, a first-year starter in true form in Jalen Hurts at the quarterback position, it seems a little dim at the moment. And some of these offseason moves, although Zach Ertz is saying he wants to put it behind him, I think still sting with the city of brotherly love and the very passionate fan base that we see in Philadelphia. There is an odds boost, by the way, Ariel, for team win totals that caught my eye this morning on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Both the Jets and the Eagles have a team win total of six and a half. 
if you want to take the under of both the Jets and the Philadelphia Eagles to go under their team win total of six and a half, that can pay you out plus 270 on the FanDuel Sportsbook right now. Just something to keep in mind when you talk about the guys in the NFC East in Philadelphia and the team in the AFC East and the New York Jets. Both the longest odds to win their division. The Jets much longer odds to win the division than the Philadelphia Eagles, but just something to keep in mind. We talked about Zach Ertz and where he stands among tight ends. There are six tight ends that have receiving yards props for the regular season up on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Zach Ertz is not one of them. Neither reserve Smith, and we'll get to that. But the Eagles are at the Falcons week one. Uh, the Falcons laying three and a half points total, 47 and a half. Speaking of Irv Smith Jr., he is going to be probably out for the season. Irv Smith Jr. ends up uh, tearing his meniscus. And here's what Dr. David Chow of ProFootballDoc.com had to say about an update to what's going on with Irv Smith. This is Dr. David Chow, Pro Football Doc, with some breaking news between some surgery here. Irv Smith Jr. with the Minnesota Vikings had his surgery. His season is essentially done. No real chance to return. There was some question if the meniscus surgery was a trim as opposed to a repair that he could come back. That mystery has now been solved. It's been reported as a repair, which is with sutures which requires minimum three month healing time plus rehab. Realistically, he will not come back. It takes a long time for the meniscus to heal as it is relatively lacking in blood supply. Vikings fans will perhaps remember back to 2016, Adrian Peterson, Mr. Miracle Knee Recovery Guy himself from the ACL was trying to come back from a September meniscus repair surgery and never made it. I don't believe Irv Smith Jr. will make it either, even though his surgery timeline was a little earlier than AD's. That's why the Vikings traded to acquire Chris Herndon. They probably already knew this was going to be the case and uh, prepared for it that way. In the past, a lot of players have chosen to have it trimmed for an early recovery, but in the health and safety era, I think it makes sense to try and preserve longevity of the knee with the meniscus repair. Unfortunately, the heralded promising impending season for Irv Smith Jr. will not happen. The Vikings will have to wait till 2022. Uh, go to profootballdoc.com and download the, pre, uh, the free preseason injury preview. Thanks for watching. It's going to be a transition now into a new tight end with, as Dr. Chow mentioned, uh, Chris Herndon coming over from the New York Jets. Irv Smith was supposed to be the man to replace Kyle Rudolph. Kyle Rudolph ends up leaving the Vikings this past season, and he missed a lot of time last year, too, because of injury, which is why Irv Smith ended up not only emerging, he became one of the favorite targets for Kirk Cousins. I remember targeting Irv Smith in the props market a lot last year towards the end of the season. And now he played 11 snaps in the preseason game. That was the last preseason game against the Chiefs on Friday. And that's kind of where things went down. They didn't think after the game that it was anything serious. But then, of course, they found out about the torn meniscus. Herndon, Ben, how much could you see Chris Herndon filling that role now for the Minnesota Vikings coming over from the Jets? 
Well, you know Kirk Cousins loves to target his tight end, so Irv Smith was due for a breakout year. Last year, at the end of the year for the New York Jets, Chris Herndon showed some flashes of promising ability on the football field. The Vikings are very much in contention for a playoff spot as it compares on the FanDuel Sportsbook. The Vikings, yes or no, make the miss of playoff odds. The yes is minus 106. The no has slightly more juice, but only minus 116. So the Vikings should be in contention for an NFC wildcard spot. Their team win total is eight and a half. The over heavily juiced at minus 160. The Vikings are looking for an NFC wildcard spot. Irv Smith and that lack of ability on the roster, a tough break for Minnesota, certainly. The Vikings are three and a half point road favorites at the Cincinnati Bengals week one, the total at 48. Coming up next, we'll talk Major League Baseball from a gambling perspective. You're listening on Sirius XM channel 204. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back on the morning after on SportsGrid, Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein, Major League Baseball. And I know we're going to get to this game when we get to our West Coast wake-up. However, it was the biggest story last night. The Los Angeles Dodgers have finally found their way back to the number one spot in the National League West. They did pick up a win yesterday. And Ben, watching the Dodgers down the stretch this season and getting hot at the right time, despite all these issues to their pitching rotation, they had Trevor Bauer pretty much out for the year now due to all his off-the-field issues, acquiring Max Scherzer, who's been absolutely dominant. And we'll get more into it later on. However, Ben, I just needed to congratulate you because I know you're a Dodgers fan. And this... Just job well done by you and the sports books. You never gave up hope. I think you think I'm a bigger Dodgers fan than I really am. I mean, I love the Dodgers. I grew up in Los Angeles going to a lot of Dodgers games, but I can't say I follow the team on as regular of a basis as I did when I was younger. But through this work, I have certainly okay, been we'll paying make you attention an Angels fan, then. to what be careful. What no, you wish no, no, for. no, 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 no. Listen, listen, don't get me started on Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. They play in Anaheim. The whole LA Angels thing is a complete crapshoot. Anyway, as we focus on the Dodgers, I have been a person that has pointed out pretty much at every stop throughout this Major League Baseball season how the San Francisco Giants were undervalued by the FanDuel Sportsbook. That for some reason, despite holding a three and a half, four-game lead in the National League West with only like 40 games left. They were still not the favorites to win the division. Well, now, John Sheeran and company, congrats. You got me. The Dodgers minus 250 now to win the NL West. Only a half-game lead. And let's not forget the Giants and the Dodgers this weekend in San Francisco. An impactful series, as you will see, across all of Major League Baseball this season. It is going to be fireworks up in the Bay, at least we can hope. But Two very intriguing series early on this week. The Dodgers hosting the Braves, the leaders in the National League East, the Dodgers getting a sweep. The Giants hosting the Brewers, the Brewers sweeping the Giants. So four playoff teams right then and there. The Dodgers emerging victorious, the Brewers looking really good as well. I believe they are something like 50 games above 500, 30 games above 500, something that's really, really good. 30 games, that makes more sense. The Brewers are a very good team as well. Tied for the second shortest odds to win the National League pennant. With the San Francisco Giants right now at, I believe, plus 350 on the FanDuel Sportsbook. But the Dodgers, a half-game lead as they travel up north to play San Francisco this weekend. Minus 250, the Giants 
plus 200, only a half game back. This will be a very, very important series for both of these sides as they look through the stretch run of this Major League Baseball campaign. The Dodgers won yesterday 4-3 over the Braves. That total was 7.5. Just hitting the under yesterday. It was my saving bet of the night. Going into the other team in L.A., the Los Angeles Angels were hosting the New York Yankees. The Yankees pick up the 4-1 win. It was Garrett Cole getting the start for the Yankees. It was minus 295 on the money line for the Yanks to cash. However, Garrett Cole was incredible. I honestly didn't even watch this game yesterday. I was too busy doing some other things. However, when I saw the 15 strikeouts, I had to check like three box scores to believe it. 15 strikeouts for Garrett Cole. His numbers against the Angels have been incredible. Seven wins, 75 strikeouts, nine walks, 183 ERA, and a whip of a .92. Those are his last seven starts against the Angels. 15 strikeouts last night, nonetheless. I also love this stat because Mike Trout hasn't played for the Angels all year, pretty much all year. He was hitting 375 against Cole in his career. All other Angels hitting 186. Ben, I guess we could say now, Garrett Cole owns the Angels. Yeah, and Garrett Cole needed to step up for the Yankees last night, and the Yankees needed Garrett Cole in the worst way. They had lost four straight games out on the West Coast. Garrett Cole steps in, goes seven innings strong, one earned run, 15 strikeouts. The Angels lose to the Yankees last night. The Yankees making up a little bit of ground on the Tampa Bay Rays in the American League East. The Rays had their nine-game winning streak snapped last night by the Boston Red Sox. So now just a seven-game lead in the American League East. And what's funny to me, we talked about how the Giants have been undervalued. I feel like the Rays have been as well. One-game difference now in the American League East, and the Rays had their odds lessen by a dollar and a half. Went from minus 800 yesterday to win the AL East to now minus 650. Just one game in a dollar and a half have the odds become shorter on the Tampa Bay Rays. But the Yankees needed this win, and it's a big win for the Yankees, who still hold a decent lead for that top spot in the American League wild card. So big stuff right there for the Yankees, and a great chance for New York coming back home to the Bronx this weekend. They host the Baltimore Orioles for a weekend series. Even more opportunity to make up more ground in the division and extend their lead in the American League wild card race as well. Two games into that one spot of the wild card race. The Yankees, if anything, because I, I think between the way the Rays, are, the Rays are playing and the seven games back that the Yankees are, it's going to be really tough for the Yankees in the next three weeks to get the American League East. The Yankees need home field advantage for the wild card game. They're going to have to face the Red Sox, potentially even some other team from outside their division. However, if you have to face the Red Sox in a wild card game, you do not want to be playing that one on the road. Also, the Seattle Mariners are still in the wild card race in the American League, which is just crazy. The Mariners at home are a team that I always have my eye on. The Mariners at home have one of the best run line records in baseball. They're hitting at just under 57% on the run line this year overall. And they're 31 and 13 on the run line when at home as an underdog, which is 70 and a half percent. The Mariners just beat the Astros yesterday, one nothing, cashing in at plus 116 on the money line. Three and a half games back of the American League wild card. We've got about three, three and a half weeks left of the Major League Baseball season. Ben, how much did you expect the Seattle Mariners to still be live at this point? I didn't expect the Seattle Mariners to win the series against the Houston Astros, which they did the past three days. So kudos to Seattle for staying a part of that American League wildcard race. 
three and a half games back, still behind the Oakland Athletics, who are two games back of the Boston Red Sox for that second and final AL wildcard spot. It's very intriguing, Ariel, when you look at the odds discrepancy on the FanDuel Sportsbook right now. There's no make-miss playoff odds anymore. Hey, FanDuel, we need those. It's a very intriguing time heading into these weekend series across Major League Baseball. But on top of that, Seattle's 120-1. to to win the American League pennant. They are three and a half games back of that second and final AL wildcard spot. The Toronto Blue Jays are four and a half games back of that second and final AL wildcard spot. And their odds to win the American League pennant are only 35 to one. The Mariners, again, 120 to one. I think showing the faith in the FanDuel Sportsbook has in the Seattle Mariners. The good news for Seattle fans and possibly backers is two of their next three series come against the Arizona Diamondbacks. And if they still need to make up ground towards the end of the season, maybe against one of their divisional foes for that second and final AL wildcard spot. They have the Oakland Athletics, two of their final four series of this Major League Baseball campaign as well. So still some ground to make up for Seattle, but maybe some opportunities to do so, especially against the D-backs here in two of the next three series. Speaking of those D-backs, they did beat the Padres yesterday, 8-3. to Diamondbacks cash in at plus 184 on the money line. This is the same team that the night earlier, they were no hit by the Padres starter Blake Snell. Then they come out the next day. This is why baseball's great, or you can hate it if you're better, I understand. The Diamondbacks end up with eight hits, five runs, off the Padres starter Yu Darvish yesterday in his two and two-thirds innings pitch. The same team. The Padres, a half a game back now of the Reds for the wild card. I don't know which way to take this. The Diamondbacks being impressive, coming off being no hit, and winning outright against the Padres, or the Padres being a half a game into the wild card, where the Cincinnati Reds could easily sneak up on them soon, Ben. I mean, I look at it with the latter, looking at the ramifications that the San Diego Padres have right now of trying to make the National League playoff picture. Kudos to the Arizona Diamondbacks, but they don't really have any kind of presence for the postseason here through the home stretch of Major League Baseball. The San Diego Padres certainly do, a team that had the second shortest odds prior to the season getting underway to win the National League pennant, now a half game outside of even reaching the postseason as the Reds hold that advantage for the second and final NL wildcard spot. The D-backs did this yesterday against you, Darvish. You, Darvish has mightily struggled here in the past two-plus months. I mean, really, really bad. Yesterday, eight hits, five earned runs to the D-backs, only three strikeouts in two and two-thirds innings. When you look at you, Darvish, over the last couple of months, he has given up four earned runs or more, at least four earned runs, in seven of his last nine starts. You Darvish, one of the biggest free agent acquisitions of the entire offseason, and specifically in the National League, had a 2-1-3 ERA in April, a 2-2-0 ERA in May, 3-0-7 ERA in June, and then in July that went all the way up and skyrocketed to a 7-3-6 ERA, a 6-3-2 ERA in August, and then that performance yesterday in his first start in the month of September. So now, like you mentioned, Ariel, the Padres find themselves on the outside looking in at the National League wildcard race. They are 31-1 to to win the NL pennant right now. Cincinnati, the team they trail by only half a game, is 18-1 to plus 1,800 to win the National League pennant on the FanDuel Sportsbook. I bring up those long odds to win the NL pennant because we don't have make-miss playoff odds at the moment. So that's the comparison in the futures market as you look at it right now in the FanDuel Sportsbook. And my concern, Ariel, really stems from you, Darvish, and the rest of the San Diego Padres starting staff. They have the 14th worst ERA, the 14th highest ERA of all starting rotations in Major League Baseball. Only one pitcher on the staff, that being Blake Snell, who has struggled his own right this year. 
has a winning record with more than one game above 500. Blake Snell is 7-5 and five this year. So it has been a struggle for San Diego as of late. And I'm not sure the starting pitching is going to be able to do enough to turn things around. It's so sad, too, because the Padres last year were the most exciting team in baseball to watch. All they needed was to add to the pitching. And they did that. They got Blake Snell, one of the aces on the Tampa Bay Rays roster, a player who last year in the World Series was so hot that he I couldn't believe they actually took him out of the game. This coming from someone who was really annoyed with Blake Snell going into the season, deciding to talk smack about Major League Baseball on Twitch. Otherwise, he comes into the year. He's amazing in the World Series. I thought this was a huge addition. I thought this was the missing piece of the Padres. These pitchers, just in the first year of being with a new team, it usually does lead to some setbacks. And then maybe next year, I'm just disappointed the Padres season hasn't been as fun and exciting as we all thought Slam Diego would be. Joe Lisi, College Football Talk, up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We're back on the morning after on SportsGrid, Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. It is a college football Thursday, and we've got a ton of games to talk about. College football analyst and handicapper Joe Lisi joining the show now. Joe, I am so excited for tonight's slate of games, especially because we have some pretty top-notch teams competing. Which game are you most excited to watch tonight? Well, thanks for having me. The air smells a little bit different, a little crisp in the air today, right? College football kicks off on a Thursday night. There's actually two games that I'm intrigued in. That game in Raleigh between NC State and USF. Line right now on FanDuel is about 19 and a half. I think that's an intriguing matchup. You look at South Florida, one and eight overall in year number one with Jeff Scott. They have some playmakers, former North Carolina quarterback Cade Fortin, Gets the start on the road today, Kelly Joyner. This team played very well down the stretch, and I think they give it a dominant effort tonight. Might not win the ball game, but I do expect them to be within the 19.5-point number. You look at NC State last year, eight wins. Those eight wins came against opponents with a combined overall winning percentage of 414%. A look ahead week number two against Mississippi State. Keep an eye out for South Florida tonight. And then, obviously, Ohio State-Minnesota. Joe, you have told me that you expect Minnesota to be one of those teams that can contend for the Big Ten West. When you look at their odds right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook, as I'm pulling them up here, Minnesota to win the Big Ten West, I believe, is at 12-1. to If I'm missing it, I might be missing it. But regardless, Minnesota to win the Big Ten West has some longer odds. You are telling me you think they can be a sneaky team. How do you think they perform tonight against the Ohio State Buckeyes? They are a 13.5-point underdog. Well, I think I'm going to be rowing the boat tonight with P.J. Fleck and the crew. Let's not forget this team was 11-2 and 
a couple of years ago with their quarterback, Tanner Morgan, Rashad Bateman, and Tyler Johnson that both moved on to the NFL. But Mo Ibrahim is there. He's a dominant between-the-tackles runner. Offense and defensive lines are, are above average in terms of the Big Ten. And keep in mind the fact that C.J. Stroud, redshirt freshman, on the road in, in, in a road environment in terms of a conference game. We know about the, his athleticism. But there's still got to be some growing pains in in game number one, right? So I, I expect that to to shine through tonight, and I think PJ Fleck will have his team ready. Keep in mind as well, Minnesota got blown out by Joe Milton and Michigan last year. I think that that's in their minds as well. They might not win this ball game, but I do feel at home, week number one, they push Ohio State to the limit. I think they're within this 13-and-a-half-point number, especially with Oregon on deck for Ohio State, guys. And not only that, I mean, I think Minnesota, in terms of their win total at seven for 2021, I think they could be a nine-win football team and actually win the West in the Big Ten this year. Here's my concern with Minnesota. My lean was to take the points tonight. However, you mentioned Ibrahim and Minnesota's run game. Ohio State allowed just 98 rushing yards per game last year, averaging just over three yards per carry, at al- per carry allowed. How much right. does that worry you for affecting the way Minnesota is going to rely on the run game when you're up against such a really tough defensive front? That's a great point, Ariel. But we also have to keep in mind that, you know, Minnesota's had all offseason to prepare. If it was a mediocre or average head coach, I would buy into that. But the fact that it is P.J. Fleck, who I believe is a, a dominant game planner, you give him five or six months to prepare, even though in terms of five-star talent, Minnesota's up against it, he coaches that talent up. So from an underdog perspective, at home in Minneapolis, I think this is going to be an electric atmosphere. And then you sprinkle in the fact that there is new talent there, right? Sean Wade is gone from that defense. We don't know really what we're going to get out of the Ohio State Buckeyes. We know they're the best team on paper in the Big Ten. But in game number one, I'm always willing to take a shot on an underdog because of those growing pains heading on the road. If they were home, I might buy into Penn State with C.J. Stroud. The fact that it's on the road for a conference game, that's why I'm buying into the Golden Gophers here. Joe, I really feel like college football starts in earnest tonight. We have 14 games on a Thursday kicking off in a 90-minute window. So I think the enthusiasm around college football betting will be at an all-time high for week number one tonight. How do you advise the casual sports better of how to best approach a night with so many games on the slate? Well, I think you have to pick your spots. And then obviously, if you're not sure, there's always the in-game perspective, like especially in some of these lower tier games. I mean, you look at the line in terms of Wake Forest, Old Dominion, right? That line is basically 31 and a half. I took it earlier in the week at 30 and a half, got a good number, but I'm still high on Wake Forest this year. If they start slow in this ball game, and let's just say it's a scoreless first quarter, that line might go from 31 and a half down to 15 and a half. And now you get 16 points of value from from a team that I think could actually surpass their win total in 2021, which is right in the area about six and a half or seven. So it really is important to have a gauge, understand who you like going in, and then let's see how these games play out with growing pains or you get the wrinkles out in terms of the ring rust 
for week number one. That's how I play it. But I am, in terms of the strongest place tonight, I'm I'm all in with South Florida, guys. I'm going against the grain. I believe in this team. Win total is two and a half on FanDuel. I think they could over-exceed expectations this year. And the biggest change in terms of progression from a head coach is usually year number one to year number two. Jeff Scott, the former Clemson offensive coordinator, I think it has this team dialed in tonight. Joe Lisi from here on SportsGrid, our college football analyst and handicapper. Joe, let's move into some more games after tonight. One of the big games, especially inside the Big Ten, Penn State and Wisconsin. Both these teams are ranked inside the top 10 to 20 range. Penn State at 19, Wisconsin at 12. The spread is Wisconsin laying the five and a half. How close do you see Penn State keeping this one? Very, and I think they get the outright victory on the road in Camp Randall week one as a plus 184 underdog. I really believe in this team. You look at the quarterback position, I give the edge of Sean Clifford over Graham Mertz. You have Jahan Dotson, a big play wide receiver, Brisker and Joey Porter Jr. in that secondary. And I have to buy into James Franklin. In terms of the coaching advantage, Franklin and Chris, I don't think Paul Chris makes halftime adjustments. I, I think he's a good game planner heading into the game, but as the game progresses, he doesn't adjust according to the stronger competition. Go back to, you know, that Big Ten championship game in 2016. They didn't adjust, lost to Penn State. From the series perspective, Penn State has won four straight. They last played in 2018, but I give the speed advantage to the Penn State and the Lions. And even though they have losses on the defensive front, over the last six years, this defensive front has averaged 43 and a half total sacks per year. I'm buying into Penn State. They're one of the top teams in the Big Ten this year. Joe, we have five games between top 25 teams this opening weekend of college football for week number one. When you're looking to do your handicapping in a new season, where is the first area you start? Honestly, I look for inexperience in terms of secondaries. You know, uh, inexperienced secondaries, freshmen and sophomore going up against a, either a veteran quarterback or an elite passing attack. That's what I look for. And, you know, a couple of games stick out for me. I mean, later in the week, you look at Notre Dame going against Florida State. That's a matchup where Florida State has a lot of inexperience in the secondary. Two redshirt freshmen, two sophomores. Their defense allowed 189 rushing yards per game. Going up against a veteran quarterback in Jack Cohn, that's a matchup that you have to keep an eye on. I lean to Notre Dame in that ballgame. And then Georgia Tech at home against Northern Illinois. Thomas Hammock, I think, is not a very good coach. Under 500 in his two years there. They have three freshmen and a sophomore going up against Jeff Sims. And that offense for Georgia Tech, it's a high number in terms of 18 and a half. But in Atlanta, in the humidity, I think Georgia Tech has a significant advantage and covers that number fairly easy Saturday night. So that's how I approach it early on. But it really goes to strengths and weaknesses from the previous year, Ben. It, can these strengths and weaknesses hold true, especially in the month of September? That's what we have to gauge in weeks one and two of the college football season. The game of the week. Everyone's talking about it. Georgia Clemson playoff hopes potentially on the line in this one. You've got Georgia ranked fifth Clemson ranked third. Georgia is the dog and it has gone in their favor. And I, I don't mean just the mascot plus three and a half has moved to one and a half in favor of Georgia. The total sitting at 50 and a half Joe who covers who wins and what happens to this total. 
Tough game, but I'm going to lean to Clemson and DJU. I give the quarterback advantage to Clemson. I give the the wide receiver advantage with the addition of Justin Ross in that offense to the Clemson Tigers. From the series perspective, Georgia has won six of the last seven. The last victory by Clemson came back in 2013. But since 2017, Clemson is 11-3 against SEC opponents. Three losses came, two to Alabama, one to Joe Burrow in the national championship game. I think this team is battle-tested. The fact that DJU got his feet wet on the road in South Bend, to me, is a big advantage heading into this ballgame. I'm just not a believer in JT Daniels. I, I, I need to see it. Before I believe it, there's some inexperience at the wide receiver position behind Jackson and Burton for Georgia. And let's not forget the secondary losses for the Bulldogs heading into this ballgame. You lose Stokes, you lose Richard LeCount. In a week one matchup with an elite offense, I lean to the Clemson Tigers. That line was three and a half for much of the summer. Now under the critical number of three, I like Clemson to win this ballgame. Joe, line movement between Clemson and Georgia. Also, tons of line movement in another top 15 matchup. Number one, Alabama, and 14th ranked Miami. This line opened at 16.5 in favor of the Crimson Tide. It is now 19.5 in favor of Nick Saban and Alabama. What have you made of the line movement for this game between the Hurricanes and the Crimson Tide? Well, it's like considering the sense that Alabama has won 19 straight week one games and and have won those games by an average margin of victory of 25.6 points per game. All they do is dominate week number one. But you remember last year on the road in Missouri, they did not cover that 28 and a half point number. Now, when you look at Bryce Young taking over for Matt Jones, you lose Jalen Waddell, you lose Devontae Smith. Bill O'Brien is there, a new offensive coordinator. That's the biggest thing. Assuming that the production will not slip, even though up until this point, that's what Alabama does. They reload and they just dominate. There's always the ability to have a, a slack of production because of a new offensive coordinator. You're seeing the game through a different set of eyes. O'Brien might be more or less aggressive than his predecessor, Steve Sarkeesian. So that's what we have to monitor. Now, on the defensive side of the ball, Alabama allowed three opponents to pass for over 300. Matt Corral, Kellen Munn, and Kyle Trask. They did not cover last year two of those three games. And on the flip side, you have a Miami offense that did throw for over 300 in six of the 11 games. They were 5-1 and one in those games, won those games by an average margin of victory of 22.2 points per game. The fact that in order to beat Alabama, we've said it for years, you need a mobile quarterback. That's what De'Ara King is. I'm going to take my shots here. I'm going to take the 19.5 on FanDuel. I like Miami to keep this game within the number, but the Alabama does win this ball game in Atlanta. Joe, we only have a minute left. Give us your best bet of the weekend. Well, it's Penn State and it's Miami, guys. I, I really believe in both of those underdogs. I think Penn State wins the ball game outright, and I believe in De'Ara King and the crew. Look at this guy. I say best bet, and he gives <laughs> us two. I don't know if I should be ashamed or if I should be thankful. Come on, listen to directions, Joe. Joe Lacey, got to love you. Thank you so much for joining us today, and we'll see you again next week. And make sure to catch Joe all over the Sports Grid platforms this weekend. I know you're going to be everywhere. Just real quick, 20 seconds. What shows you doing? Uh, we got college and pro football full circle today, tomorrow, and then college football today with old man Wetzel, 9 to 12, to kick off the college football Saturday. Absolutely love it. Catch Joe there and on Go for the Two on Twitter. We'll see you next week, Joe. Good luck this weekend. Thanks. Thanks. 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back on the morning after on Sports Grid, time to close out our first hour of the show. You're listening on Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Let's get to our poll. It's time for Fade the Public. Oh, I love this. This is great because I knew that I was going to make Ben Stevens choose something that he didn't want to choose. He didn't want to pick. It's hard. However, the question is, you gotta If you have to bet, which one are you betting on? College football, college basketball. You can only choose one. And the public has spoken, and just under 73% say they're going with college football. I love this. this is, the whole point of Fade the Public is because of recency bias. I bet you if I ask this question again in five months from now, oh. the answer is going to be different. Ben, are you fading the public that college football is the one college sport you would be willing to bet on? The ultimate Sophie's choice right here, picking between two of my favorite things in the entire world. But you're right. The recency bias is very strong heading into the first full night, week one of the college football season. I think if you asked this question in the middle of March, it would be completely flipped the other way around. But for the most part, I have to agree with the public here. College football is my ultimate favorite sport. College game day brought me life back in the day. It inspired me to get involved in sports, in sports broadcasting. Everything evolved with college football. So, yes, college football is my answer. Although this this poll was not very nice of you, Ariel Epstein, but you knew that you were not being nice when you posted it. I knew. I was sitting here trying to figure out what I wanted to make the poll about. I knew it had to be about college football. Decided, you know what? Let's make Ben sweat. Let's make Ben make one of the toughest decisions of his life. Because I'm going to tell you this, when it comes to March, if you change your answer and if the public changes their answer, I'm not letting you bet on March Madness. You're out. You're out. You got to get you got to wait. <laughs> you until have that fall. authority? That's it. Yeah. I'm going to shut down your app. Right. I'm going to tell Fandle and John Sheeran to shut you down, delete the account until September. Ben says he only wants to bet on college football. Coming up next, we do have hour number 2. And speaking of college football, we are going to have a jam-packed hour two of college football. You're listening here on Sirius XM, Channel 204. With Ben Stevens, I'm Ariel Epstein. We're here until noon Eastern time on, on the grid.